You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. All right, we got a doozy of a topic today. Um, this is going to get crazy. It's going to get a little bit wild, but it's um, it's material that we have to talk about as a profession. It's it's stuff that we have never shied away from at the MSP Alliance um, ever, and I, it's it's stuff that is relevant to a lot of MSPs, even if you don't hear it talked about on community forums, Reddit forums, wherever you may uh, traffic uh, and hear your information these days. But it is stuff that we are hearing, and I suspect that it's even larger than uh, we may realize. And we are talking about the death of pay as you go. And some people call it pay as you grow, um, but the concept is pretty simple. We'll get into that. But what we're hearing is some some potentially troubling news about behavior of certain vendors uh, that MSPs use. And we're going to talk about what that means for the MSPs, what that means for their customers. And we're going to talk about what can we do as a community to hopefully fix that and make that as least disruptive for you and your customers as possible. Joining us once again, uh, our, our old friend, Rob Scott from Scott & Scott. Rob, welcome to MSP Zone. Thank you, Charlie. Good to be with you. Yeah. So, uh, so look, you, you've you've kind of got an anthology, right, in your in your law practice of how MSPs have contracted with their vendors and how MSPs uh, you know form their agreements with their customers, and and you're you're no uh, stranger to the concept of, of pay as you go. Can can you kind of maybe walk us through the, the your legal definition, if you want to give it, of of what pay as you go or pay as you grow really means? So a pay-as-you-go model refers to a relationship between a vendor and an MSP that is scalable both up and down based on the MSP's then requirements, taking into account that the MSP could be adding accounts or losing accounts, or within existing accounts there could be uh, reductions in force uh, or uh, acquisitions that you know really change the the number of licenses that the MSP's customers ultimately would consume. And the pay-as-you-go model was designed to ensure that there was no disconnect between what the MSP was able to offer to its customers and what it was paying to the vendor. The grow portion was created to make it attractive to smaller MSPs to, to get on to platforms, perhaps at a, at, a, at a more modest cost, with the understanding that as they grew, um, they would, you know, pay more, but the vendor's wallet share of the account would be proportionate to the MSP's growth. So there was an alignment with respect to that. And, and, it, and it, it offered some safety, right, for, for the MSP to get new technology out. I mean, I remember that always being a, a really critical thing, which is vendors always seem to think, well, if, if, I, if I sign up an MSP, I automatically get every single one of those MSPs customers, that's, it almost never goes that way. And the MSP wants to, to prove, proof of concept, right? Does it work? Uh, is it easy to use? Is, is the customer liking the, the effect of, of that technology, whatever it may be? I mean, there, it, it's, 
it's no small thing for an MSP to bring on new technology, I guess is what I'm saying. 100%. And to your point, the technology may be great, but it may not be a fit for every customer for a variety of reasons. And, you know, good MSPs understand that every customer's requirements differ slightly and that their responsibility is to deliver a solution that's tailored to each customer. So I, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit um, uh, circumspect in, in what I say, because uh, one of our members called us in confidence, and he's an MSP, and he relayed a story of not one, but I think two uh, vendors. I'm going to call them software technology vendors uh, that sell software to MSPs. Everyone would know who they are. And it was in the course of wanting to increase uh, and buy new services that this vendor had for, for MSPs. And this, this MSP owner said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. But the, the topic quickly turned to, if you want to add this new module or add this new technology we've just launched, we are going to require a minimum recurring revenue commitment from you in order to, to jump on board. And I, I think everyone knows, right, the pressure, right? Datto just went public, Kaseya, ConnectWise, SolarWinds, they're all, you know, SolarWinds now enable technologies. They're all moving in the same direction, which is they're all competing, right? They're all neck to neck uh, and trying to, to drive revenue and outpace their, their competition. We all get that. But Rob, I'd, I'd like your particular, your take on, A, are you seeing that in terms of pay as you go, going away and is it being replaced with this new model of no we want a minimum commitment from you and and those pay as you grow or pay as you go days are over i mean is that where we're at today i don't i don't necessarily think it's over but the writing is on the wall i think there's a strong trend toward annual upfront or annual minimum commit commitment and um you might be able to to get away with it for a while, but um, the software companies are looking at what you know. They're looking at it like a subscription. You know, you buy my subscription, uh, and I need to be able to depend on the revenue. Um, and you know, it's not the aligned model. You know, I don't think the the platform vendor doesn't care whether your customers adopt or not. They're like, you know, you want to play ball, this is your minimum spend. And your minimum spend will trigger lower prices. And, you know, those that can commit to the highest amount of spend will enjoy the lowest prices. And um, uh, that's a trend that I see. So MSPs that have the uh, most stable clients and contracts are going to be in the long-term position to have the most strategic um, relationships with the suppliers. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Rob, I can see that I can see the value in negotiating the best price across the board for your customers. Uh, you know, what one? All right, so let's say I'm an MSP and I relent and I give in and I say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to agree to your minimum spend requirement. I, you know, an 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 economist's view of that would say, okay, well then naturally the MSP is going to do one of two things. They're either going to take the risk and say, I'm going to see how many customers, managed services customers of mine, pick up this new technology, 
or I'm going to start putting this stuff into my agreements and into my service delivery, and they're going to get it no matter what. Now, you and I have talked about this in the past about, you know, especially on security-related themes, MSPs really starting to push minimum levels of managed IT security out to their customers to protect everyone, including the MSP. Is this really a good thing in disguise? I mean, are we making too much of it? And, and is this really for the MSPs and their customers' own benefit? Yeah, I, I, the devil's in the details. I mean, that would require a crystal ball. You know, the, the way I'm invi- thinking about what you're asking me would be, you know, does it make sense, for example, to for every end user to have subscribed to someone's you know, um, third-party managed SOC? Or would it be better that they didn't? You know, it's, you know, depends on the facts, but there's one way to certainly see that that would be a positive. Right. Better better than what they have now. So, uh, Rob, if, if, if I'm an MSP practicing today and I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, all right, well, yeah, I've, I've kind of already seen this. I, I'm, I'm being asked, you know, to, to join calls and meetings from my reps to, to do this type of thing. And, and all of them are doing it, right? They're all getting into that security operations center space. You know, Kaseya just bought uh, Rocket Cyber, uh, a security operations center play, um, actually out of, out of Texas, I think. Um, so they're all moving in that same direction, and we all know that you know the security operations center, you know, idea or technology is is of high demand uh, all throughout the MSP community. Um, is there a legal? I mean, what what legal advice, or maybe that's a bad way to put it, but what negotiating tactic could they use when they're faced with a contract that says, "Hey, I'm I'm I got to pay a minimum, no matter whether I'm using this stuff or not." I think that's one of many things that you need to be concerned about. Yeah, I think more fundamentally is how much risk are you taking on that if you add this service and something goes wrong for your customer that you're going to be protected? You know, to me, that's a, a potentially a more significant risk than the shelfware risk. Yeah. So, so your 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 concern is the financial risk of 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 over being over levered in a vendor commitment, and nobody on the customer side is picking it up and, and paying for it. That is a concern. That's what I refer to as the shelfware concern. But that's you know pretty quantifiable. You, you know how much you can deploy immediately, and you know you know how much you're committing to the the delta. There is potential shelfware. With respect to with respect to liability risk, it's less easy to calculate and potentially much more significant in terms of dollars. So when you're entering into a contract with a vendor, you have to not only consider uh, things like what if my clients don't adopt and am I committing too much upfront before I've proved it out? But you also have to think about what additional risks are inherent in introducing this solution into my client's environments. And how do I align the agreement with the vendor with my agreement with my customer? Because well, if, the vendor, if 
the vendor's contract says we don't take responsibility for uh, your use of the tool and you're responsible and we don't have any contract with your customer and the MSP's contract says uh, we're not responsible for things that are provided by third parties. Uh, then you've got an end user community with no remedy, which is unacceptable. And yeah, no, and nobody wants that outcome. And, you know, I think what, what we all want is maximum coverage for the end user community and they need these security solutions. Uh, they're never, well, they're not going to go directly to the MSP platforms because they don't know them. They don't have a relationship with them. They could never, for the same reasons the telcos, you know, ultimately failed in managed services 20 years ago uh, it, through through the channel, that is, they failed. You know, the, the same is true for the MSP platforms today. But it, it seems like almost they've forgotten that message and they're still trying to to, to be, be overly aggressive. Um and and I don't know maybe maybe that's just a sign of the times where where you know managed services is red hot everything is growing and maybe that's their way of just staking out even more revenue uh, claims uh, f for each company. You know, in the end, it's a question of leverage. If you're an MSP that is um, relatively new or relatively small, you're going to have a lot less leverage. If you're a substantial MSP with you know, considerable nodes and lots of business opportunity, uh, you're going to command more leverage. You know, I never knew I was one of the best lawyers in the world until I started representing some of the largest companies in the world. That's a good point. Well, so Rob, where, where do you, I mean, is this a reason to, to not, just go uh, the homo homogenous route, right? Like uh, some MSPs will will do everything from one vendor because it's all nice and easy. They have one relationship, they have one bill, they have, you know, it's it's all right there and supposedly all inter interconnected. But there's a lot of MSPs and I'm sure you know a lot of them, and, you know, a lot of your clients don't follow that advice and they actually do a best practices approach. Does this argue more in favor of a best practices, best of breed approach so that you're not locked in with any one vendor. I mean, because that, that seems like there's could be some, some good alleviation of that type of, of, of risk that we just talked about. You know, I, I, um, I think that's a business issue, you know, for each particular client and, and there are differences, you know, from a vendor management perspective, um, you've got a lot less to deal with, you know, uh, by, by not going best of breed, but by going with, you know, a, a full suite. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say to the MSPs, you know, talk yourself through the same, you know, discussion that you would have with a client that's asking you about a software, um, approach, you know, what's your philosophy? Is it best of breed or, you know, single platform? And, 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 you know, there's a number of criteria to look at there. You know, what I think from a from a legal perspective is, on the one hand, you're trading a, a ease of administration for concentration of risk. If something bad happens with that vendor, you're way out of, out, you know, you're in a pickle. Whereas if they're just a point solution for you, you're going to be able to pivot much quicker. 
So it's almost like diversification. The best of breed strategy provides some diversification of risk, which is attractive to me. It, Rob, it seems like there's two outcomes here, which is that the, the, the MSP either adopts this and they say, you know, something, something along the lines of, okay, I'll agree to a minimum spend only if this service is something that I could realistically uh, kind of enforce as a, as a common service ingredient in my managed services portfolio. I, I could see that. And, and with security, I, I, get the, I get the concept there. And maybe I'll give the, the vendors a benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's where they're coming from is like every MSP needs to be doing this in security. And if you're going to do this, then here there's a cost to doing it. So that's one outcome. The, the other outcome is the, is the MSPs push back. And let's not forget, it's not like these, you know, there's, there's a handful of, of companies that sell almost exclusively to MSPs. It's not like they have a significant non-MSP community of customers. So if the MSPs suddenly said, no, we're not going to sign this, we're not going to agree to this, I predict that there would be a fast change of policy and that 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 would catch on pretty quickly. I mean, what what say you? I can see how that would be the case. You know, I also You're not sold on that idea, Rob. I can tell. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, you're asking me to predict the future and in the end it's like you know, the 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 MSP's got the the solution already deployed. This is one aspect of a broader relationship. Um, you know, I, I I honestly think this is something that would have to be evaluated on a case by case basis because there's so many factors involved. Uh, not not to give you the standard lawyer answer, it depends, but it depends on the facts. Yeah. And, and, and so everyone out there listening, know, know this. I mean, the conversation you're hearing between Rob and I, th- this, this is not new. I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, Rob, I'm, I'm thinking back to MSP World 2007 in, in San Jose. And I remember uh, we, had a, we had a moderator and a full room, several hundred people there. Uh, and the topic of channel... I think it was channel competition came up and just the whole room erupted in a conversation. And it was like someone had t- turned on the lights and they just all came alive. And I, 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 I haven't seen that since that those days. And I feel like this is kind of a resurgence of that old theme coming back. And, and I hope I'm wrong, but you know, this one MSP that, that came to, to us last week, they were pretty concerned, right? They, and they were really wondering Am I alone? Are other people experiencing this? Are other MSPs seeing this? And, and you know, I, I'd personally like everyone else out there, uh, if you guys have seen this and you want to share your thoughts, even confidentially, let us know. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Rob, I, I mean, are you're, you're not seeing this yet. Are you in your, in your client base? I am. You know, I, 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 to the extent now, I recall that conference in, at that time frame. I'm not embarrassed to say that Cisco was a topic of conversation pretty significantly at that conference. It was Cisco, wasn't it? <laughs> and, and there were a lot of concerns with what I think we called channel uh, conflict. And 
where people felt like accounts were being, you know, stolen from them, where there was, you know, uh, a, a, a competition element that didn't sit well uh, with certain members at that conference. Um, wh what I'm saying I'm seeing is uh, a, a trend toward tool providers to be thinking in terms of annual subscription where the MSP owns a pool of licenses or services, where the MSP is buying regardless of whether or not it sells to its customers or not. And that is the death, as you referred to it, as pay as you go. And that's also why I think month-to-month -month contracts on the customer side are similarly dead. So, yeah. Rob, I, I got to stop you there. So you think that this trend could, could potentially alter the recent trend in, in some years of going back to pay-as-you-go? Specifically, the pandemic caused a lot of MSPs to start picking up monthly billing. You think that that actually could, could be a, a, a casualty here? 100%. Interesting. Because now the vendor says you need to commit your clients to this. If your clients cancel, there's your shelfware. Even if even if you don't budget for headroom, even if you just say, I'm going to buy for this year my existing clients, some will a trick. Um, uh, and so if you're on month to month, there's a much higher chance of attrition than if you're on one of my contracts, which would read three years and you can't cancel for convenience. You can only cancel for cause. And if you need to cancel for convenience, there's a liquidated damages termination fee that has to be paid before any transition services or any other, you know, end of term obligations arise for the MSP. Alternatively, your client canceled, you have no remedy and you owe the vendors. Well, look, I, th I think, Rob, you and I are going to have to table this conversation uh, and pick this up in the near future because I suspect there's a lot of people out there. Uh, I hope you guys pick up the phone or send us an email because we would love to have you on. If you want to be on the MSP Zone with Rob and I, we'd love to have you on maybe as a guest. You can share your perspective. If you want to be anonymous, you don't want to put your name uh, and company name out there, we'll respect that. And we'd, we'd still love to hear from you because this is important. It impacts a lot of MSPs worldwide, and I think that it 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 really does. And Rob, I hadn't thought about that, but the you know changing from the 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 monthly managed services contract, which I get why it was so valuable during a global pandemic, but maybe if you're doing that and you're highly leveraged and that's the majority of your agreements with your customers. If you're going to start signing, you know, one-year agreements with minimum contract spends with your vendor, yeah, I think Rob, you're right that that you may want to change your your agreement with your customers. Look, I mean, I think that anybody who's not interested in, in trading.